Hi, I'm Sean Perrin, and you're listening to episode 72 of the Clarinet Podcast, the show where I discuss all that's new and neat with clarinet with the neatest people in the industry. episode of the podcast, I share part two in a series where I've been releasing past lightning rounds and other extended portions of episodes that had previously been made available exclusively to Patreon backers. I'll be working in reverse chronological order, starting at episode 60 with Eugene Mondi, and then episode 59 with Ricardo Morales. Then I have a special guest called Garrett Hope, who runs another podcast named The Portfolio Composer. He's coming on to tell me a little bit not only about his show, but then also to turn the mic around on me and ask me the lightning round questions, which was actually a lot of fun. I'd like to thank those who support the podcast on Patreon, and especially our latest backers, Brett Newton, Cameron Harper, and David Arado. If you're interested in supporting the podcast yourself and want to treat it like an extra read once a week or once a month, you can do this at patreon.com slash support. And let me say that your support is greatly appreciated and allows me to continue the show into the future and take part in events such as the Clarinet Fest I went to last summer and, uh, you know, perhaps even other events coming up. We'll have to see. The Clarinet Podcast is hosted by Mo Bleichner Music Distribution. You can check out their newest product, the $49 Match Pitch Barrel, at the Clarinet.com online store. Head to Clarinet.com slash store. Of course, today's episode of the podcast is also brought to you by our season sponsor, Dario Woodwinds. And I bring you today's guest after this short message. Sanding, shaping, balancing. For centuries, mastering your instrument meant mastering these crafts too. But now, D'Addario is refining craftsmanship for the 21st century by refining their reeds and mouthpieces with the world's most innovative techniques, so you can spend less time sanding, shaping, and balancing, and more time perfecting your own craft. To learn more about the new era of craftsmanship from D'Addario Woodwinds, visit D'Addario.com woodwinds. So the first question is, if I were to run over to your music stand right now and have a peek at it, what would I find on there? Uh, you'd find uh, Scheherazade, we're com- that's coming up. Um, you'd find uh, the uh, Eugene uh, Gay book on it, and uh, um, I'm trying to think what else you got. Uh, the written <laughs> uh, fingering chart. So okay, and what album or piece of music changed your life irreversibly? Um, probably the um, Shelvadaki uh, video with Berlin doing uh, Bruckner Seven. I think that's profound. It's slow, but <laughs> different. Uh, it changed my uh, my life. Yeah. If you could go back in time and meet any musician or composer, who would it be? I suppose they could also be living, but I would assume. Um, you know, I think the the old Italian tenors like Schipa and, and that sort of thing. Uh, I would love to have heard them to really. I mean, we have the recordings and stuff like that, but you know. It, it, I, you got to wonder what you're missing, you know, what in the sound doing, are we, are we losing as well? And, um, I think the, the, the height of the bel canto, uh, period, it would have been lovely to, to hear any of those singers for sure. That's the interesting answer that, that you, you really connect the clarinet to the vocal, um, the history. Yeah, absolutely. And that's from Mr. Montanaro. I think that's, that's, um, I think everything comes from that with him. I think it's uh, his real gift. 
Um, what is one piece of advice you would give your 21 year old self if you could travel back in time? Um, maybe a little bit more humility, a little bit more, uh, uh, not to be so opinionated because you really miss out. You, that's the biggest thing is when you kind of put blinders on you, you, it's great to have an opinion, but, um, it's, I think a lot of the times we have an opinion because we don't know anything. If that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. And speaking of trying to know new things, what is one book that you would recommend to the Clarinet audience? Uh, without question, David McGill's book, Sound and Motion. Uh, not to be a person, I'm not trying to plug all this stuff, but and I don't. <laughs> but um, I think that's probably the best book out there to explain music and uh, orchestra, the orchestra experience. That excerpt was from episode 60 with Eugene Mondi. And next up, we have episode 59 with Ricardo Morales. I just want to say before we get started with that, two things. Uh, the first being that in the Clarinet community right now, I'm running a poll to vote on the top episode of the year for Clarinet listeners. Uh, what would you call that? Uh, listener's choice, I guess we can call it. And Ricardo's episode here actually is trending to maybe come out on top. So if you do agree that Ricardo's episode was the best of the year, then go ahead and vote for it. But if another one piqued your interest, for example, the one just before it with Eugene Mondi, then um, you can vote for that too. So any episode of your choice, vote for it. And the one that gets the most votes will be featured in my top 10 roundup episode of the year, which will come out at the hopefully the last week of December. The other thing I want to say before we get started is both of these episodes with Eugene Mondi and with Ricardo Morales were brought to you by uh, Bakun Music being so supportive of the podcast and trying to connect with me when they have guests in the city in Vancouver there. So we've got a couple other great guests coming up, the first of which is Corrado Giuffredi, and he will be talking about the new carbon fiber clarinet, which Bakun is releasing very soon. And now I bring you the lightning round from episode 59 with Ricardo Morales. So if I were to go over to your music stand right now, what is it that I would find? What piece are you working on or what are you doing? I am working on the Lesson of Planet Control, which I will be recording next month with the president's own United States Marine Band. Oh, wow. Um, what album or piece of music specifically changed your life irreversibly? The Brahms Clarinet Sonatas with Gervas de Pire and Daniel Barenboim. I recorded the first record that my older brother bought me, and it just made me fall in love with the clarinet, and there was no going back. It's so unfortunate, but Gervas de Pire just recently passed away. I've no, oh, my hero. So, yeah, I know. so sad. Um, I know. If you could go back in time, or even if you could meet any living musician or composer who you haven't, um, who would it be? I would uh, I would love to have met uh, I actually would have loved to met Mozart because I know that he was a, I heard that he was a ladies man and very friendly so <laughs> <laughs> just to hang out with him yeah just to do a hang you know <laughs> what piece of advice would you give your twenty one year old self uh, don't look back and keep going forward. Um, and one last thing, what is one book you would recommend to the clarinet audience as far as to further their musical career or even just your favorite work of fiction or anything? Favorite uh, book of fiction, The Silmarillion by Tolkien. Yeah. Oh, yes. nice. Gorgeous, gorgeous. So as I was mentioning at the beginning of the episode, the last person who will be doing the lightning round today is me. And there's two reasons I wanted to do this. Uh, one is because... 
For the Patreon backers exclusively, I'm going to be doing what's called AMA episodes, and this is called Ask Me Anything. So if you uh, have a question about playing or teaching or what I like to eat for lunch or anything like that, you can ask me anything, and that's exclusive to Patreon backers. The second reason, though, is I've actually never done the lightning round before, so what I've decided to do is invite my good friend Garrett Hope from the Portfolio Composer podcast on to ask me the lightning round questions on this podcast. So I'm going to give it over to Garrett here, and he will... uh, be interviewing me for the lightning round. Hey folks, it's Garrett. I'm so happy to be here. Sean and I have been collaborating and helping each other build our podcasting businesses for uh, almost a year and a half now. And in fact, um, I was a long, long time ago, a guest on the Clarinet podcast. You can go back and listen to that and learn a little bit more about me. And I have featured Sean on my podcast. And the portfolio composer is really a, it, what it's trying to do is help composers with the business end of writing music because I believe strongly that as musicians, and I'm talking to composers in my podcast, but this does apply to clarinetists as well. We really are small business owners, and we need to think and treat what we do as these small business owners, and we can take lessons from entrepreneurship and the business world and apply that to how we're creating our art, teaching our students, and getting our music out in front of people. And that's what my platform does. So I have the podcast, I have online courses uh, and webinars, public speaking, and the whole nine yards. So it is my pleasure to be here with you today and to ask these questions of Sean. You ready, Sean? Yeah, just one thing. I, I think it would, I would definitely be remiss if I did not uh, sort of mention a couple more things about your show. And, and that is, I definitely agree. I, uh, I've been listening to your show, actually, I believe since before I started mine, and uh, there is some definite value there for anyone who is uh, a musician at all. And specifically, if you want some kind of clarinet-focused episodes, I was on, oh my god, I think it maybe was episode 63 of your show. And um, you were on, I believe, episode 11 of my show. But then Eric Salazar was actually on episode of your show as well. So mm-hmm. there's two clarinetists right away. But what's one more recent episode of your show that you think would be of value to the clarinet audience? Oh, man, so many. Uh, We're quickly approaching 170 episodes and we're speaking in mid-November. But of a a recent one, let me let me just give two. The one that came out this week is with Aaron Given and Aaron is a middle school band director. And we had this really valuable conversation on how can composers best write for the band given its needs and the problems that band directors have, how to network uh, with intention and also help us understand working within the leveling system. And another episode that I think just has standout information in it is episode 162 with Dory Clark. Dory is a business speaker and she writes regularly for Forbes magazine and the Harvard Business Review. And she recently put out her third book called Entrepreneurial You. And so we discussed that book. We also discussed her two other books where she gives incredible advice on branding, marketing yourself. And then with this last book, how can you monetize your interests, your gifts and your talents? So those would be two, Sean. Yeah, wonderful topics. And I'll just plug two more. I think that <laughs> I think that the John David Mann interview you recently had was fantastic. Uh, for those who don't know, he's the author of the Go-Giver book series or co-author of the mm-hmm. Go-Giver book series. It turns out he's also a composer. But anyways, check that one out. I'll link to it in the show notes. 
And then the other one, I actually can't remember, but it's the guy who mentioned, I believe he was a film composer from L.A., but he actually mentioned that triangle strategy of planning which freelance work to accept. Do you remember this one? Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember that discussion. Who was it, though? Um. <laughs> so basically what it is, though, like for those who've never heard of this, I have mentioned it before, but when you're doing work, it has to fulfill two of the three corners of the triangle. And, and the triangle is one corner is does it add monetary value to your life? One corner is, does it advance your career? And one corner is, do you enjoy it? Is it fun? Um, and so I've been applying that to the things that I've been doing. And it's it works amazingly well, or at least at least helps mm-hmm. you prioritize what you're doing. But I'll figure out what that one is and post it in the show notes as well. Yeah, I'm a little embarrassed. I can't recall. Wow. Oh, I think it was Andrew Lockington. It may have been, yeah. A Canadian yeah, guy who moved Canadian to L.A. Yeah, composer. Yeah, yeah. 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 Great. Well, I don't, I'll, I'll put, like I said, I'll put that in the show notes. And, uh, but yeah, let's get on to the lightning round for, for me. <laughs> you got it. All right. So I'm not allowed to just make up questions for you. That's true. <laughs> okay. We'll go with the right, clarity lightning round questions. Yeah. <laughs> if I were to walk over to your music stand right now, what would I find on it? This is actually really funny because I normally keep my music stand completely empty because at the end of a day, I don't like having stuff on there. I don't know how people do leave so much stuff on their music stand. Um, but there's a couple of weird things on it right now, which aren't normally there. Uh, so I have my wallet <laughs> on my music stand. <laughs> and I also have my little book of ideas, um, kind of like long-term inventions. I keep like a little book of, uh, ideas and it's, uh, it's just something I've done for a long time and I don't write it in often. And I'm actually wondering why it's out. Cause I don't recall writing in it today, but <laughs> I'll have to figure that out afterwards. Something else that's kind of interesting that I do keep on my stand though, is I, I, I suppose I keep um, little LED stand lights and I've attached to that a 20,000 milliamp battery so that I can actually leave those lights running almost every day for more than a month without having to charge them. So, uh, oh, wow. It's kind of a little thing I keep on my stand, but there's no music right now. All right. Fair enough. Uh, what what have you been practicing, though? What should be on the stand? <laughs> what should be on the stand? I've actually lately um, been spending a lot of time trying to get back into my right hand stuff. So I should have been practicing, uh, you know, after my injury, I should have been practicing more of the Behrman because uh, Jenny McClay just came on the podcast and was talking about something called the Behrman Boot Camp. So I was trying to keep up a little bit with that. And uh, other than that, I've actually been playing a lot of guitar, um, trying to get my scales a little more organized on some of my um, acoustic guitar technique, which I find quite challenging. Good for you. What piece of music or album changed your life irreversibly? That's funny. I was thinking about which to answer. I'm going to have to answer two for <laughs> even my own questions. Um, so classical wise, there's an album called Alina by Everpert. And I remember getting it in my undergrad, maybe second or third year. And I was just blown away by its simplicity and beauty outside of traditional classical playing. Do you know this album? I do not. So it's extremely simple. Uh, it, there's a piece called Spiegel and Spiegel that is an. Um, oh, I know that piece. You know that piece? Okay. So there's another one called Fir- yeah. Firolina. And Spiegel and Spiegel, for those who don't know it, it means mirror and mirror. And it is about eight minutes long, maybe seven, maybe nine, depending on how slowly you play. And it's just very serene. Almost nothing really happens. Um, And then it's over.
And the next piece, Ferlina, is is similar. It's a very slow, very kind of ethereal, um, uh, deep sort of uh, almost like religious piece. And anyways, but the formatting of this album is so just relaxed. It has Spiegel and Spiegel and then about a 10 minute improv on Ferlina, another version of Spiegel and Spiegel. And then it goes backwards. It does another version, 10 minutes of Ferlina and then another version of Spiegel and Spiegel. So it's just kind of like 45 minutes of just musical serenity that, I don't know, it really inspired me as far as just the simplicity and what was possible with programming. And it influenced a lot of the creative programming I did throughout my my degree as far as my recitals and uh, even on the album that I released a couple years ago. Um, so I love that one. Very simple, very interesting. Uh, and then the one that's my all-time favorite uh, is Radiohead's Kid A. I just, I've never, I don't think I'll ever encounter an album that moves me as much as that one did again. And it's just... It's incredible music and everything about it is just, it was life-changing. What I really sorry for the commentary, Sean, but what I really like about this question is that it it forces you as you're answering this to think about the music that is important. And sometimes when we become professional musicians, we get so focused on how do we teach, how do we get the next gig that we forget that we probably entered music just being in love with music itself. Mm-hmm. And I like I like this question because it reminds us of that. And I think we need to love music for music's sake. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I recall many, 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 many <laughs> days um, in high school, for example, just sitting around listening to this Radiohead album and uh, in university too, just walking or and listening to maybe this album from front to back, the Yelena album, like for a whole 45 minutes, just being amazed. And, and yeah, you're right. It was Back then it was a different kind of, I wasn't analyzing it. I wasn't looking for something beyond how it made me feel and what I liked about it aesthetically. So if you could play any instrument other than the clarinet, which would it be and why? Um, yeah, this question for me is kind of tough because I, I actually have dabbled in every instrument that I kind of want to, (laughs) um, I play everything that I want to kind of to a remedial level at least. Uh, the only thing that I think I'd really be interested to do that I never have really explored too much would be uh singing i have a lot of kind of songwriting ideas and uh although i kind of explore them i'm not really that comfortable doing it in public or putting them on paper so to speak or i don't know i think it'd be an interesting way thing to explore i've never been a singer i've never done that but i have such connection with so many songwriters that i think that it would be a natural progression once you get your acoustic guitar chops up for example mm-hmm if you could go back in time to meet any musician, who would it be and why? I would pick Glenn Gould for sure. I really, really? Oh, yeah. I was, you know, I, my other choice for a top album after Alina would have definitely been, and this one, depending on the day, might have even topped that one. But uh, the 1981 Goldberg variations are just amazing. And I love contrasting them with the 1955 version and sort of seeing the seeing him grow up and mature as a person. Um, but then, unfortunately, he died the next year. So... He recorded those two versions of the album 30 Years Apart, and uh, he's sort of a Canadian icon, and he sort of pioneered recording. Um, Yeah, I'd love to get his thoughts on, on many, many things.
Yeah, a living person. I I kind of would side with another guest who came on recently and he sort of said, don't meet your idols. <laughs> so uh, I, I kind of agree with that. And I've honestly talked to a lot of the people I idolize on this podcast, so I'm not really sure I would agree with that because they all seem like wonderful people. But uh, I'd love to meet Tom York. But in another way, I'd, I'd love to just leave that where it is sort of on a pedestal in a way. Yeah, I understand. While we are still back in time, what advice would you give your 21-year-old self? I guess just keep pressing on, keep moving in the direction that you're going, and, and things will slowly work out. What is one book that you think every clarinetist should read? For me, there's probably – I'm just going to pick works of fiction because I I, there's lots of you know standard clarinet books, which everyone probably is reading or has read or will read. Um, but there's two that are kind of odd, I suppose. I like – uh, one called The Loser by Thomas Bernard. It's actually a fictional story about a fictional Glenn Gould. <laughs> um, but it's from the perspective of another pianist who went to school with him uh, but failed as a musician. <laughs> kind of a dark mm. plot, I suppose. Um, I don't know. It's, it's it's kind of success from the viewpoint of failure. He He sort of sees Glenn Gould become all this and has to kind of find meaning in his own life. And the other guy in the book... It's, it's really kind of a dark story, but I like it a lot. I think that more musicians should read it. It's really interesting. And the other one, and this one's kind of controversial, but I really loved The Fountainhead when I read it. And I know a lot of people have a huge hate for Ayn Rand, but mm -hmm. I think that a lot of her philosophies have been pretty blown out of proportion, to be honest with you. And before she wrote Atlas Shrugged, which is just a horrible, long, trudging nonsense, she wrote this other book called The Fountainhead, which is, is overall, it's a story of an artist who overcomes challenges by being true to his art and not wavering in it. And I, again, I think it's something that no matter where you sit in any sort of philosophical uh, stance, it's worth a read and, and some sort of consideration, if not just for the, the perseverance that's shown by the main character, which I think is really, really awesome. Lastly, how many clarinets do you have? Ah, so um, this is a new question, a uh, new question for the lightning round. I have a B-flat clarinet that's a buffet festival, a B-flat clarinet that's a Bakun protege. There's also a Bakun beta here. There's a there's a plastic Yamaha. So what are we, what are we up to? Is that four or five? That's four. four. Yep. Okay. There's a C clarinet, a Mahdi C clarinet. There's a rather cheap plastic bass clarinet, which I have. Um, there's an A clarinet, uh, R13. I guess we're up to eight. I think that's it. I think that's it. That's a lot of clarinets. <laughs> that is a lot of clarinets. I'm double, uh, double counting here. And I, I think that's all. I think that's all. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a guitar player and we have this disease we call gas. Have you heard of gas? <laughs> yes, I have a ga um, guitar acquisition syndrome, right? <laughs> yes. I guess you have cas. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I play guitar, so there's several <laughs> guitars here as well. <laughs> Uh, well, Sean, thank you for letting me ask you these lightning round questions so that your audience gets to know gets to know you a little bit better and kind of can peek behind the the hood of the clarinet machine and see how the wizard operates. <laughs> Thanks so much, Garrett. And uh, you made me realize I got to maybe get rid of some of these clarinets around here. <laughs> 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 Thanks so much. And, and uh, be sure everyone to check out the Portfolio Composer uh, podcast. And like I said, I'll link to all those episodes and books and everything we just talked about in the show notes for today's episode. Hey. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Clarinet Podcast. Detailed show notes are available at www.clarinet.com. If you find you're enjoying the show, please consider supporting it on Patreon. You can do this for as little as $1 a month and your support is greatly appreciated. If you want to treat the podcast like an extra read once a week or once a month, it'll help the show go a long way to bringing you more interesting guests, going more interesting places, and doing things like upgrading the audio equipment or even working on a Clarinet app, which is something that I really, really would like to get done, and it will be added once we get to 50 backers. We're currently at 33. Make sure to tune in next time for an awesome episode with Tommaso Lonquish. We talk for an extended period, over an hour and a half, about all sorts of things, including chamber music, performance, and what it's like to tour around the world, all the way to hearing protection at rock concerts. It's a pretty diverse episode and one that I think you will really enjoy. The Clarinet Podcast is hosted by Mo Bleichner Music Distribution, and you should check out their latest product, the Match Pitch Barrel, which is just $49. You can learn more at www.clarinet.com slash store. Of course, the podcast is also brought to you by our season sponsor, Dario Woodwinds. Thank you so much for listening. Sanding, shaping, balancing. For centuries, mastering your instrument meant mastering these crafts too. But now, Dario is refining craftsmanship for the 21st century by refining their reeds and mouthpieces with the world's most innovative techniques. So you can spend less time sanding, shaping, and balancing, and more time perfecting your own craft. To learn more about the new era of craftsmanship from Daddario Woodwinds, visit daddario.com slash woodwinds.